Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Did he say there's a porta potty in the road? Huh. I can, let me just tell you, it is, it is requiring every ounce of discipline I have not to make just endless jokes about that, about a porta potty uh, being positioned closely to the side of the road. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, all right. So uh, let's move on quickly from that porta potty distraction I just introduced. So, the Supreme Court, you've heard of it? Yeah, located in Washington, D.C., uh, some smart people, they wear robes and they debate stuff and ultimately uh, come to decisions. And most recently, they've come to the wrong decision. I don't pretend to be some smart legal mind, but I do understand basic freedoms. I do understand uh, the basic freedoms afforded every American in the Constitution, and specifically the Bill of Rights. And freedom of religion is not very complicated. It is not a difficult one to understand, and it shouldn't be a difficult one to uphold. And yet somehow uh, the Supreme Court has just gotten it so incredibly wrong here. What's the story? Well, let's start with the timing of the whole deal. Late on Friday, that's a holiday here in Utah, but everywhere else it's a Friday. Uh, Friday means, uh, especially towards the end of the day, Friday means uh, people are eager to get to enjoying the weekend. And being in the news business, I know that Friday uh, in the evening is a tough time to hold on to people's attention when it comes to delivering the news. All right? People have... Uh, they're gearing up for the weekend. And so it is uh, every single Friday. And I've worked in the communication business for a while, and I know, too, that if you have a piece of information that you would like to or that you need to make public, you, you have to make it public, but you don't want to make too big of a deal out of it. You don't want it to dominate headlines for a number of days. You don't want to uh, be on the receiving end of too much criticism in the media when the talking heads take hold of your news. And so you deliver it on a Friday night. Why is that? Well, uh, because Saturday and Sunday, you know, with the exception of, I guess, those Sunday morning shows, uh, there aren't too many people paying attention to uh, news that breaks on a Friday night, relatively. And you hope that by Monday morning, everyone has forgotten and they've moved on to the uh, whatever new news story du jour may be. And that's what the Supreme Court did. On Friday night, they handed down a decision upholding 
a public health order in the state of Nevada which restricted the number of people who could gather together at Calvary Chapel in Lyon County, Nevada and worship and exercise their freedom of religion. It was a 5-4 vote. Yeah, you guessed correctly. It was John Roberts who voted with the liberals. You see, there's a, a church in Lyon County, Nevada, and there was a rule handed down by the health department in Nevada that only 50 people could get together for indoor services. Well, Calvary Chapel predicted that they may need to accommodate 90 congregants. And so they appealed to the health department and said, listen, we need to get 90 people in here. There are 90 of our flock who would like to gather and worship the Lord the way they see fit. And we pledge, we pledge to implement all the various social distancing rules and the other measures uh, that you, uh, State Health Department, have put in place to ensure that we contain the spread of COVID-19. Well, the governor there, a Democrat, said that his order stood and that it wouldn't be changing. And so thus kicked off uh, the lawsuits and the appeals. And ultimately, in relatively rapid fashion, this case made its way to the Supreme Court. And on Friday night, uh, the Supreme Court handed down its decision to deny emergency relief to that Nevada church that challenged the state's coronavirus restrictions. And interestingly enough, John Roberts, along with the court's four more liberal justices who denied the church's request for relief, they did so without much explanation. They did so without much explanation. Justice Alito, though, along with Justice Thomas and Kavanaugh, uh, they together uh, wrote a dissent. And I want to read to you a paragraph from this dissent because it sums up exactly the way I feel and exactly the way I think that all should feel about what is happening right now in Lyon County, Nevada. Can I point something out before I get to this dissent? In Lyon County, Nevada, well, let me back up. The state of Nevada, do you know how many uh, positive cases of the coronavirus uh, Nevada has faced? How many positive cases of the coronavirus? The answer is 42,919. How many deaths? Do you have any idea? To date, Nevada has sustained 734 coronavirus-related deaths. So 40,000, almost 43,000 positive tests, uh, almost 750 uh, deaths. Okay, Lyon County, where this Calvary Church is located, this Calvary Chapel, there in Dayton Valley, do, do you know... How many positive cases have come from Lyon County? 177. And of the 734 Nevada deaths, do you know how many? You know how many came from Lyon County? Three. Three of them. Yeah. 734 statewide, three in this county. And in this county, they're not allowed to gather more than 50 people together to uh, worship the way they see fit. And Justice Alito, he was not pleased, and he wrote the following. The Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. It says nothing about the freedom to play craps or blackjack, to feed tokens into a slot machine, or to engage in any other games of chance. But the governor of Nevada apparently has different priorities. 
claiming virtually unbounded power to restrict constitutional rights during the COVID-19 pandemic. He has issued a directive that severely limits attendance at religious services. A church, synagogue, or mosque, regardless of its size, may not admit more than 50 persons. But, Justice Alito continues, casinos and certain other favored facilities may admit 50% of their maximum occupancy. And in the case of gigantic Las Vegas casinos, that means thousands of patrons are allowed. Can you believe that? I'm so pleased that Justice Alito, along with the other justices who voted against this move to restrict the exercise of religion by uh, Americans across the country, and specifically Cavalry Chapel in Dayton Valley, Nevada, I'm so pleased that he pointed out to the hypocrisy on display here by the governor of Nevada. That these Las Vegas casinos, mind you, the ones that are shoveling thousands upon thousands, if not millions of dollars weekly into uh, state tax coffers, that these casinos are allowed to operate at 50% maximum capacity. You do the math there, and just like Justice Alito pointed out, that is thousands of individuals. Thousands of individuals in one establishment. And I don't need to point out that they're probably going to be drinking and their judgment may be impaired. And who knows if they will be abiding by the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus uh, precautions that the sober congregants at Calvary Chapel would be observing. No. This drives me absolutely batty. How this level of hypocrisy could have originated uh, in Nevada and made its way all the way to the Supreme Court, upheld by the majority of justices, is just, it's beyond me. I'm late for a break, but let me put this last question to you. I used to walk in front of the Supreme Court every day on my way to the office. Uh, And almost every day there was a group protesting something that was either being debated or presented to the Supreme Court. And I always asked myself as I was walking by, what would move me to this level of behavior? What would move me uh, to abandon my normal day's routine and take to the streets and protest? And so often it was uh, in my mind and as I would have this conversation with others that uh, a government restriction on the exercise of religion would be uh, the, the, the thing the straw that would break the camel's back and move me and others uh, to protest. So let me ask you, what would move you to protest? Is this enough? Is this support Supreme Court decision enough? I'm not advocating that necessarily, uh, but I am curious to know what you're thinking. So would you do me a favor either on Facebook, Lee Lonsberry on Facebook, or via the KSL News Radio comment line. It's 801-575-7668, 801 Leave me a note. Tell me first off what you think about this Supreme Court decision. And second, what would move you to protest? We'll share your responses next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. Emily Lonsberry. I got an interesting text here. Uh, the, the details on this Nevada story, the Supreme Court decision, the church was limited to 50 congregants uh, per worship service. That is the directive of the Democrat governor there in Nevada. The church challenged that, uh, saying that, hey, you know, we have we have 90, 90 uh, members of our flock would like to get together here and worship, and we uh, are confident in our ability to maintain good social distancing and uh, adhere to all the guidelines that have been handed down from uh, the state health department. And yet, ultimately, as that uh, request was made via uh, via lawsuit, that went up and up and up the ladder, ultimately, to the Supreme Court, which has uh, now handed down uh, a decision uh, in favor of the governor and against religion. The Supreme Court has ruled against religion. And that might sound like hyperbole, but I, I, I don't believe it is. Especially in lieu of the dissenting opinion, as explained by Justice Alito, who points out that Las Vegas casinos, these massive, massive sources of state income via tax revenue, were allowed to operate at 50% their maximum capacity. What does that mean? Do the math. It is thousands, thousands of gamblers imbibing (laughs) and leaving their money in Nevada. Thousands of them all gathered together. And somehow that is less of a threat to public health than 90 members of a church getting together on Sunday for worship services. The Supreme Court thinks so. And that's a scary notion. The interesting text I received uh, was that, uh, well, okay, well, if they have uh, 90, couldn't they hold two meetings uh, of 45 per meeting and just be fine. Uh, anyway, the, the, what I do like especially is that it starts out saying, I do agree with you fundamentally. <laughs> Always like hearing that. Uh, but anyway, the, the math there is interesting. Yeah, could they have just held two 45-person uh, meetings, been under the 50 threshold, and been able to uh, worship still, exercising the freedom guaranteed by the Constitution? Uh, well, they didn't think so, and they went to court because of that thought. And it is rubbing me the wrong way. I want to go back. I want to stick on this topic for a bit and remind you of a conversation we had about six weeks ago uh, with Tad Walsh. You remember he is the uh, the reporter from the Deseret News, often covers uh, religious topics. And uh, on June 17th, uh, he, a guest on this program, he and I together discussed uh, an article he wrote uh, under the headline, Latter-day Saint Apostle Says Pandemic is a Wake-Up Call about the fragility of religious freedom. Okay, who's the Latter-day Saint Apostle? Uh, It is Elder David Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He, uh, on the eve of this article, had delivered some remarks at a Brigham Young University event, which looked at uh, religious freedom. 
and such like that. Uh, and I want to share with you some of the words uh, he had to, to say. Uh, it was, uh, again, the, the Religious Freedom Annual Review. He talked uh, on June 17th about the importance of acknowledging what governments have done in regards to religious freedom during this pandemic. I believe it is vital for us to recognize that the sweeping governmental restrictions that were placed on religious gatherings at the outset of the COVID-19 crisis crisis, truly were extraordinary. In what seemed like an instant, most Western governments and many others simply banned communal worship. They banned communal worship and the Supreme Court has now upheld those bans. How does that sit with you? Elder Bednar continued discussing how governments acted to protect health and other quote-unquote essential parts of society compared with religious rights. As we have just experienced, religious freedom can quickly be swept aside in the name of protecting other societal interests. Despite COVID-19 risks, North American jurisdictions declared as essential numerous services related to alcohol, animals, marijuana, and other concerns. But often religious organizations and their services were simply deemed non-essential, even when their activities could be conducted safely. In the name of protecting physical health and security or advancing other social values, government often acted without regard to the importance of protecting spiritual health and security. Last two comments here from Elder Bednar. He uh, pointed out, again, this during uh, Brigham Young University's Religious Freedom Annual Review took place about six weeks ago. Uh, Elder Bednar spoke. Uh, so did Senator Lee. And I will share with you a comment from the senator at this same event in just a moment. But here, uh, Elder Bednar uh, states that we cannot disregard the need for religious freedom in the midst of a crisis. Now, I am not for a moment saying that religious freedom can be unlimited in the middle of a pandemic. Nor am I saying that all government officials have disregarded religious rights, far from it. What I am saying is that we can no more disregard the valid claims of religious freedom in a time of crisis than we can disregard the valid claims of freedom of speech, freedom of the press, or freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures. Yeah. Uh, think about think about those comparisons that he made and think about the incredible leeway that is being given to those other categories. Freedom of Gathering, speech. Gathering, in short, ne is at the core. Elder Bendar concluded his remarks uh, talking about gathering, the actual, uh, the actual act of gathering. And as you listen to this, remember that it was the Supreme Court that has decided uh, that governments, in fact, have the authority and the ability to limit the gathering of religious organizations. Here's Elder Bednar talking about actually gathering when it comes to religion. Gathering, in short, is at the core of faith and religion. Indeed, if the faithful are not gathering, sooner or later, they will begin to scatter. And because gathering lies at the very heart of religion, the right to gather lies at the very heart of religious freedom. The right to gather lies at the very heart of religious freedom. Supreme Court doesn't agree. 
Senator Lee spoke at that same conference. He talked about how all religions have a theme of protecting the vulnerable. He then went on to explain how important that was to society. Any set of belief system, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, uh, Buddhist, humanist, anything out there uh, that brings people together to celebrate these ideas needs to be protected. Yeah. Supreme Court disagrees. All right, moving on. I earlier asked what would move you to protest, what would uh, get you so worked up uh, and feeling so strongly that your only recourse was to take to the street and to shout your views uh, from a megaphone. Uh, And one gentleman, kindly enough, uh, responded and explained what issue would get him to protest. I think the one thing I would protest on that note would be free speech. Uh, Definitely got to have people's opinions got to have their uh, insight and free speech is the one thing I would protest if they try to uh, get rid of it. There you go. Uh, Another gentleman uh, calls in thinking that protesting is one thing, but voting is another. I would just like to say certainly religion, freedom of religion is, is a key factor, but I think the bigger question is what would it take to get us to stop voting for Republicans and Democrats and start voting for libertarians who actually believe in liberty and freedom and not in using the state to constrict how individuals live or how they use their own property. That, I think, is the the solution that we're missing, is getting off of our bandwagon and actually voting on principle, not on popularity. You want to see viable candidates? Start living by your principles. Thank you. All right. I'm grateful to those who called in. Uh, Before we go to break, I want to let you know that Senator Lee did more than just share some remarks at that symposium of six weeks ago, but he also is gathering up uh, other senators in Congress, and he has sent a letter now to the president, President Donald Trump, uh, this letter addressing this very issue and the imperative that we protect our First Amendment's guarantee of religious freedom. The senator, along with those other signatories of this letter to President Trump, uh, they point out that this fundamental right has been infringed, quote, by troubling policies implemented during this crisis by many state and local government leaders. He asked the president for help. We'll find out if he gets it. Uh, I will share the letter drafted by Senator Lee to my Facebook page. I invite you to read it and share with me your thoughts. Uh, I'll I'll even let the senator know what you think. Uh, So have a look at that. The letter is on my Facebook page. I'll get it posted in the commercial break. We're going to step away for just a moment, get some news, And when we come back, uh, I'm going to calm down a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to forget about the Supreme Court and their follies. And we're going to look at something fascinating reported uh, first by USA Today. And it has to do with the coronavirus, but specifically those who contracted it months and months ago still enduring symptoms today. How's that possible? We'll go through it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.